Adaptivist Live, the Atlassian Ecosystem Podcast. This week on Adaptivist Live, data leaks from space and more. We've got some updates and some security issues to talk about, as well as some interesting thought pieces from around the Atlassian Ecosystem. My name is Ryan Spilkin, and I'm joined today by Matthew Stubblefield, Brenda Burrell, and our very special guest, Head of North American Managed Services, Felicia Andrews. Hi, Matthew. Hi, Brenda. Hi, Felicia. Hey, Ryan. Good to see you. Hey, Ryan. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Yeah, thanks, Felicia, for joining us. Great to have you here. Matthew, on three out of four of the last episodes of Adaptivist Live, we have discussed Bitbucket. That team is on fire. It does make me wonder, is it that the Bitbucket team is awesome, or have we just been failing for the last two years to notice it's a product? (laughs) Could be us, Ryan. Why not both? (laughs) <laughs> probably both probably <laughs> sorry guys uh bitbucket server 6.5 looks awesome uh we'll uh, share these release notes in the description of the soundcloud it's not just awesome because there's a gif though we do love gifs if we as we've discussed before the this uh the heading the title here a webhook dedicated to smart mirrors and uh they say in preparation for the launch of mirror farms i think you know mirroring's already a thing, but I, I love this uh, addressing sort of continuous integration, continuous deployment uh, in a way that can notify uh, your whole system uh, when the mirror has been updated. Uh, so this is super cool, very easy to understand as you look at this. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the webhook configuration goes uh, once we get upgrade to the latest version of Bitbucket. That's really neat. Uh, the what else is new? Pretty straightforward. A check for merging pull requests the blocks merging if any reviewers have marked the PRs needing work. I thought that was already there. Uh, I've con- I've configured the merges to, to not allow that, but maybe there's some new uh, UI for it. So I'll have to take a look, or maybe I'm just misremembering. Um, updates automatic branch merging. And uh, what I'm particularly interested to explore more is Bitbucket server for Slack. Now, I don't know that I want to automatically uh, push to the mirrors based on a Slack command, but maybe I do. Uh, so it, it'll be neat to, uh, to check that out and see what all we can do through our chat ops. Also worth noting that there's a convenient link to the infrastructure recommendations for Bitbucket in, at the bottom of this page. And of course, that link will be found on SoundCloud. Speaking of updates... There's been a very small UX change in the Atlassian cloud that's been reported on their cloud update page. And again, if you know where cloud updates are coming and we don't, let us know. Email us at learn at adaptivist.com. We do our best to find them, but uh, as Ryan said, there are cloud updates on the update cloudy places, and sometimes we don't find the updates for the cloud updates. So we want to look at where we can update the updates, Doug. You can update this update podcast. <laughs> so the change that has just rolled out is a, a minor UX change in how you're viewing your projects in the project directory. So now, instead of it being a whole long string, the URL field is just a link icon with the URL as a tip. So, I mean, it's a small, like, little quality of life 
change. I'm sure it looked pretty messy before. This is definitely going to clean that function up. I debated whether or not we needed to talk about this because it's like it's replacing a string with a character. And I thought maybe people would be confused. Maybe this thing that they've been looking for all this time has disappeared. And sometimes in cloud, that is really confusing. In this case, I doubt anybody was looking at their project list and thinking, I really need to know the URL of the project. So, yeah. yeah. But, you know, you'll find the link to the cloud update page in our, in our SoundCloud description. And if you know something we don't, holla at your boy and lady. It seems like a really large category. Yeah. If you know something we don't. There's a lot. That's a There's risk. A you shouldn't ask yes. for that. Speaking of changes, um, a few things in the ecosystem roundup um, on the Atlassian developer blog. And as always, we'll post a link to this in the SoundCloud description. Um, Atlassian is deprecating the ability to disable time tracking in Jira Cloud via REST APIs. So removing the ability to turn a thing off. Um, still be available to you through mid-January 2020, but be aware that that is going to be removed um, at the beginning of next year. Um, and then a thing that we had to sit and discuss for a few minutes because it confused us regarding the dates. Um, Atlassian changed their Confluence Cloud Search APIs January of 2019, have added in a new user search API at wiki slash rest slash API slash search slash user that you can use moving forward. Um, number of other community posts linked to in this particular roundup. Um, one that was of interest was Jira Service Desk Cloud next-gen projects and connect apps. Uh, but there's a, a fair bit of interesting stuff in the Atlassian developer ecosystem roundup if that is the sort of thing that interests you. Yeah, it, it sort of appears like they posted this back in January, said we're removing a thing. And then on July 16th said, we're changing the thing that we'd removed to add a new thing. But in the text, they just say today or immediately. Um, mm -hmm. So it's hard to tell if that was on July 16th or if that was just the last edited date. Uh, but at any rate, uh, yeah, GDPR. It's a gift that keeps on giving. It's really interesting to me to think about anything being inspired by GDPR. You know what I mean? Like, like in the spirit of GDPR, what? Atlassian has had, and they, they talked about this at Summit, they've had this, this goal of really going beyond GDPR. They want to be even more secure than that requirement. And, and cloud is definitely where they're pushing that. Uh, so we're, we're seeing a lot of these changes around limiting the ability to search for users, particularly, uh, which then broke a bunch of add-ons, which we've commented on the podcast before. Like it, it really makes things challenging. So adding in a new user search REST API uh, may let app developers add some of that functionality back in. Uh, it'd be interesting to see if we can find out if it's as robust as it was before, maybe better, maybe worse. Uh, but yeah, the, the article itself, uh, we hope it makes more sense to you all listeners than it did to us. And speaking of add-on developers, there's some more news about the Jira Workflow API in cloud. Yes. Um, so as, as we all know and love, workflows are the heart of Jira. Um, this is how this article effectively opens up, which I just highlighted the phrasing on it. Um, and so Atlassian is introducing um, some new connect modules for workflow conditions and workflow validators on Jira Cloud. 
Previously, they had post functions, but you couldn't, um, through the API, uh, do anything with conditions or validators. Now you can. So rejoice. Huzzah. Note that this is applicable only to classic projects. Next-gen projects are going to receive dedicated APIs in due time, whatever that might mean. <laughs> but you can't wait, see me. <laughs> there's more. Um, there's a new REST API for managing workflow rule configurations, um, giving apps full control over their extensions. Um, so you can do all sorts of magical things with rules added to workflows even at one time without any interaction on the user side. So there's resources that you can click to to get to documentation uh, for these new APIs. Um, there's the capacity to retrieve workflows, to find workflows associated with projects, um, and of course being able to connect workflows with associated projects and issue types. So there's there's a, a, a good explanation of how all that ties together. And as always, we will link to this in the SoundCloud description. It's worth noting that Atlassian has marked uh, this new workflow API as experimental. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's probably not too risky to use it, but uh, you know, use at your own risk, test it first, and uh, let Atlassian know what you, what you think on their community forum. You can provide some feedback uh, to the Jira Cloud developers there. Indeed. They are looking for feedback, and uh, as someone who works with stuff like this all the time, feedback's very valuable. So let them know what you think. So for our loyal listeners at home, uh, my assumption is you all are pretty keyed into the Atlassian ecosystem. You know what's going on, which means you've probably already seen this blog post making the rounds. Uh, we'll link to the article on Medium about uh, one misconfigured Jira to leak them all, including NASA and hundreds of Fortune 500 companies and all kinds of exposed Jira secrets leaked, all of which seems, uh, you know, in, in a sort of a Ryan Spoken-esque overhyping, I, I might say. Yeah, can I, just, can I just say that I object to the appropriation of Tolkien for the title here? If you're going to bring <laughs> out the big dog, it's got to be something real heavy, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, it's good to point out this potential uh, gap here, which is down to misconfigured permission schemes. Uh, when I first saw the title, I thought maybe there was like a, an actual vulnerability in Jira. Um, but really what it is, is if you, if you aren't restricting things like browse users correctly or uh, issue filters, then you can see things like, you know, default assignee and, um, uh, you know, who has, you know, project lead for different projects and things like that, which is like a legit security risk, particularly for things like spear phishing. Uh, somebody could contact you and say, Hey, I know you're involved with this project. I had, you know, had some questions like it's, it's you don't want to expose that data, but well, don't, don't give them ideas, Matthew. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, permission configuration uh, thing that, you know, you could go through. It'll probably take quite a bit of time though, to go through if you've got hundreds of permission schemes could be a bit of a pain to fix. So Felicia, when a vulnerability pops up like this, who's responsible for patching it? Well, Ryan, it would be the JIRA administrator. I mean, I feel like that, that begs the question, is, is this actually a vulnerability? I mean, yeah, if they, if, I mean, it's a, it's a permission scheme configuration thing. You know, it's, it's, it's up to kind of the company to define whether or not they don't want this data going out, but it's not like a, application vulnerability. So on the managed services team, 
when something like this happens, initially we'll uh, get with our account management, we'll speak to the clients, uh, make them aware of, of um, this kind of a, I don't want to call it a pathway in, but you know, their data is kind of. I, uh, I think that's fair. It's an attack surface. Right. And then, you know, we just have them kind of check if they have public disclosure of data um, policies and some of them may have them, some may not. And then where to proceed from there based on how uh, their system is configured and vulnerable or not vulnerable to the leak. Okay. So, so it sounds like managed service here, like it's not just we host it and then you're on your own. Like I've got, for instance, I, I used to have a web host and I had WordPress on there and like they, they did like the server upgrades, but uh, everything else, you know, it's not like I ever heard from them, but it sounds like ours a little bit different. It's, it's actually very robust. We take ownership of the infrastructure that we are supporting. So we keep up with patching and security vulnerabilities, um, backups, uh, data security, uh, encryption, you know, there's just a, a large spectrum of the things that we provide for our customers. So, so this type of thing comes up, which I'm still like, I feel like the article's a little hyperbolic. Uh, you know, there's, there's a little bit of, of, you know, maybe spear phishing or, or, uh, you know, social engineering, uh, risk here, but, uh, but you're saying like, even for something like this, you'd reach out, you would notify them. And then uh, I, I know we've got sort of an outsourced Jira administration called Adaptivist Assist, but you know, let's say for something like this, where for that business, their misconfigured schemes mean that they are at risk in violation of their, you know, their internal policies or desires. What would you guys do then? One of two things. Um, Usually we would leave it up to customers because some get very involved at a JIRA administration level. So some of our clients like to get real hands-on and apply these types of uh, mitigations to their own systems. And then some might ask us to do it for them. So really we're flexible in how we uh, resolve issues. It's just about getting to that point where you're secure. And we have an assist team, so they actually handle all the JIRA administrative functions and would be applying that for the customer if they subscribe to assist. Yeah, which is like outsourced JIRA administration, right? So say you, 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 know, you want server, you want JIRA server or JIRA data center. Uh, cloud doesn't have all the features you want, but you still want to kind of have that cloud-esque experience and you, you don't want to have... Uh, an admin. You don't want to hire somebody for that role, uh, which we've talked about before. Very difficult to do, particularly in certain areas. There's such demand for JIRA administrators. Uh, so the assist team, that's that's sort of like having an admin on demand, isn't it? It is. And even if you do have JIRA ad- administrators, um, our team can supplement for people that have too high level of workload and less hmm. availability. So we can kind of supplement for your JIRA administration team if they're overwhelmed. Freeing up that time so that the people in your IT department can deliver higher value seems worth the price of admission. I think it is. And I, I work very closely with all of them. And the assist team also, they help in a lot of discoveries for customers that are having performance issues. Uh, they might have 
complicated uh, workflows or custom fields that are not being used or 800,000 attachments, things like that. So they can help us. They help us identify performance issues within systems. Yeah, not not to keep tooting our own horn here, but uh, I just think it's a, a cool story. It's one I heard when I first joined Adaptivist of, you know, we've been doing performance tuning for a long time. Uh, you can find YouTube videos of Dan Hardiker from Summits, you know, lasting Summits years past talking about performance tuning. And one of the stories I heard when I joined was one of our customers were having Jira load times uh, over a minute. Like you try to load a ticket and it would take over a minute. And they had this enormous instance that was super complex with all these customizations and uh, over the course of, I think it was just like a six weeks initially, we got their load times down to under two seconds. And that became one of our first managed service customers. Like they, they outsourced their hosting to us because when they do that, it's not just hosting. They're, they're getting support for all their customizations. They're getting support for their disaster recovery and everything else. Like we're just taking care of it. I just, I thought that was kind of cool that focus on, on good performance uh, having dedicated servers, like you're not in a cloud environment where you're sharing uh, a system with a hundred other people and their performance impacts yours. Uh, it's it's uh, it's just a different approach. Uh, I just think it's kind of neat. This is one of the cases where having two separate teams within managed services with different expertise can help leverage uh, the best performance for your system because you have experts on database and operating system tuning and. Uh, server resources, and then you also have the Jira administration side that can really dig into what's going on within the application. And actually, this particular vulnerability is easy to patch if you have Adaptivist script runner for Jira, because the ascended master of groovy coding, Jamie Eklund himself, wrote a script to close the vulnerability. And you can download that from our website. Of course, we will give you a link to that blog uh, in our description on SoundCloud. Yeah, it's one of the nice things when you do have a configuration issue like this. Uh, it doesn't actually require a server upgrade. It's not a Jira vulnerability. Uh, and if it's something where you can configure it in the app, that means you can just script it, you know, uh, yeah. and, and have it fixed within a few seconds. And that is efficiency. Do I understand correctly in that our assist team, if you if you sign a contract with assist, we will we will help you develop script runner stuff. Our assist admins do write a groovy script for our customers. That's cool. That's really cool. Earlier in the show, we talked about giving Atlassian feedback. Here at the end of, of today's program, I'd like to take a moment to discuss an article Atlassian put up on their blog about giving your manager feedback. So on the last edition of the podcast, you may remember, or you might have blocked it out, Matthew and I talked about how Atlassian is changing their performance review to, to address the brilliant jerks. So what do we do if your manager is a brilliant jerk? Now, before we get into this, in the interest of full disclosure, both Matthew and Brenda have been my managers in the past, and neither of them are jerks. They're brilliant, but they're not jerks. So I don't have any brilliant jerk advice to give the two of you. One of the things on the sidebar, one of the things on the sidebar of this article is only one percent of employees feel extremely confident voicing their concerns at crucial moments. And uh, dear listeners, 
Ryan Spoken feels confident voicing his concerns at every moment. <laughs> I earned that. I earned that all day. <laughs> so I, there's some research backing this article up, which I always love. I love when, when things have some sources. Uh, they say one study of 252 managers said managers felt like uh, feedback helps improve their skills. According to Atlassian's research, high-achieving in high-achieving teams, 57% of respondents said that they feel welcome to give their feedback to managers. Uh, and 85% on low-achieving teams are not welcome. That's interesting to me in particular what this suggests, which is Atlassian has been able to differentiate between high-performing, low-performing teams and then correlate those results uh, with not how the manager is doing exactly or not how the team is performing exactly, but uh, what's the culture there. And, and you can sort of, there's at least a correlation. Uh, it's hard to tell if there's causation, but I think that there's a strong suggestion that team culture uh, and openness to feedback drives uh, productivity and performance. The thing that really struck me here is good managers crave feedback. And I have seen time and again how important it is, you know, I've been in a supervisory role at Adaptivist for quite some time now. I have supervised previous positions. I, I, I can only do a good job if, if, there are, if I'm aware of problems. You know, I can't fix things I don't know about. Um, I've had, especially where I am right now, I've got some folks that report to me that are really good at giving me feedback. And it's, it, it's respectful. It's, we've built up that good trust relationship, but it's, you know, I... I respect you and I trust what you're doing, but you did this thing or you're doing a thing or something's not working quite right for me. And that has been some of the most valuable feedback I've received. You know, I, I can sit here and I can think, oh gosh, you know, I'm doing a great job. Nobody's complaining. Everything is great. And not know that maybe someone below me has something that they would like change. So when that comes to me and I can fix it, I can address it. It makes me a better manager. It makes me a better employee. And I definitely want that. So um, it, the, uh, there's a quote in here of, I see it as a way to improve or tailor what I'm focusing on, um, attributed to Jennifer Vendegriff, Senior Design Manager at Atlassian. Um, that's absolutely how I feel about it. You know, I keep, I'm, I'm improving myself taking on that feedback. So that, that was very, very, you know, that really hit home for me of just how important good feedback is from my direct reports. Um, and, and hopefully I'm, I'm doing the same up above me as well. And it sounds like what made that feedback effective was that they, they made sort of a direct observation in this situation. Here's what was happening. Here's how it affected me. Yes. And, and that's exactly right. Um, and so uh, the first tip for offering effective feedback is discuss impact situation, behavior, and impact um, so the situation might be in the meeting today and the behavior was, you said this thing and I know you were joking, but the impact, it made me feel like you didn't trust my ability. I had no idea. At first, at first I was just like, oh gosh, that hurts. But then I was like, no, this person's right. I shouldn't, I shouldn't make a joke like that. So I really valued and appreciated that feedback because I can do better down the road. Not to make it seem like we're just going through this linearly, as if we just read it before this podcast. But uh, the, the second point on here is one that I really uh, appreciate and resonated with because as a manager, I really appreciate people coming with a solution, which is the second 
sort of point in the list here. And that's because I'm, you know, I may be the manager, but I'm not the expert. I'm not necessarily uh, the biggest brain in the room. I'm, you know, and it's important not to manage through uh, what's sometimes called as the, the hippo process, uh, the highest paid person in the office should not be the one making the decisions, which is sometimes managed, sometimes not. Uh, the brilliant jerk similarly shouldn't be the one making every decision. Uh, and so, you know, bringing me a problem doesn't actually help the team. Uh, sometimes we can come up with a solution collaboratively, but it's very rare that I'm going to be the one to come up with the whole of a solution. So if, you know, what, what helps me a lot as a manager is if the employee comes and says, Hey, here's a, a problem I've observed. Here's a suggestion or what I think we should do about it or a solution I've come up with because it lets me sort of manage in the way that I enjoy best, which is serving my team. What resources do you need? What training do you need? What, you know, what can I be helping with? What do you need for me to make that happen? Because my role is really to empower my team and facilitate their work, uh, not to dictate every solution. And so uh, that all goes a lot easier. And there, I think that my team is happier when they're able to enact solutions they've come up with uh, compared to just doing whatever I dictate, uh, particularly because the solutions they come up with are going to be better than anything I dreamed up. And if there is anything from this article that I need to take away, it is to be patient. I am uh, notoriously impatient. And really what I'm learning, and I, I think that this is a big step, it's a, it's a growth thing for me, is things take time to change. It does not happen overnight. Um, and so changing the way you work with your, uh, your boss and, and getting to a place where you're comfortable giving feedback and you are encouraged to might take a little time, but in the long run, it, it's, it's really worth it. So for those of you who are hot-headed like myself, take a deep breath and keep at it. Keep turning the irons in the fire because eventually change will come. All right, everybody, that's it for this week. I want to thank our special guest, Felicia Andrews, from the North American Managed Services team for dropping by. And I would encourage you, our listeners, to like and share this podcast wherever is applicable. But wait, 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 wait. Right, we're right, oh, not done. Oh. Our diligent listeners, our ever-present listeners, our lovely listeners might recall that last podcast, we announced a prize giveaway a little contest, if you will. That is right, Matthew. I was going to suggest that we extend that contest by one podcast interval. One podcast interval. That would be two weeks, if I am not mistaken, Ryan. You are not. I think, um, I think that makes sense. So uh, uh, <laughs> some of you listening may know more about podcasts than we do, because it turns out we don't know jack about podcasts. Uh, so we said, go out and review it in all these places. And afterwards... Uh, we discovered there are actually very few places you can review podcasts. Uh, most of the places we listed uh, don't, don't allow reviews. You can't, we can't review there. <laughs> yeah, they, they really host podcasts, but they don't really host reviews. We actually host this on SoundCloud. We refer to it quite a lot. Uh, SoundCloud doesn't have reviews. Uh, I recently added it to Google Play and Spotify, neither of which have reviews. Uh, we've had it on Stitcher for forever. Uh, I think iTunes is really the only reliable review place, which means that uh, if you don't have an iPhone, uh, reviewing that uh, uh, maybe maybe challenge. Or an Apple PC, you can have a. Or an Apple. 
you, know, you can have a Mac and do it. If you listen to your podcast while sitting at your desktop, here's what you do, uh, faithful listener. Just tweet us, at Adaptivist. Send us a tweet. Let us know what you think about the podcast. And uh, that's it, really. Send us a tweet, at Adaptivist. What do you think about the podcast? And we'll keep track of all of those over the next couple of weeks. We will combine them with our reviews in iTunes because that's, that's really it. And uh, we will draw a winner for the next podcast in two weeks. That's right. So leave a review on iTunes or tweet at Adaptivist with your comments on the podcast and you'll be entered in for a drawing for a fat swag pack and a bag of coffee or tea from the Mud House in beautiful downtown Springfield, Missouri. And that's it. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time on Adaptivist Live. You know, I just realized where the actual the actual danger here for NASA is. It's that if they have a project called Alien Contact, uh-huh. it's over, man. That's the end. Uh-huh.